King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. Then I would be you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who leaves the orphan, a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your life. done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Well, good morning. Welcome to Willard Nazarene Church. We're so glad that you're here on Easter Sunday morning to celebrate with us, to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. What a great day to be together. And we trust that you're out there with us. And just a couple of reminders for you that we encourage you to continue to support the church as we continue to do ministry in this manner. And uh, we have uh, opportunities for you to serve. We continue to develop more opportunities for you to serve. So uh, your time is important. Your prayer is important. And um, we ask that you continue to faithfully support the church financially if you're able to do that. If you are a regular giver, we have told you ways in which you can do that. And uh, that is just simply write out your check, put it in an envelope, and mark it accordingly, and you can put a stamp on it and mail it to the church. 
and it's 4414 Town Line Road 12, Willard, Ohio, 44890. And that's also, if you're out there and you're not attending the church on a regular basis, but you've been watching us, and uh, we're so glad for that, and you would like to uh, be a part of that. We would be honored to have you be a part of that. Or if you're local, you can simply write your check and put it in an envelope, mark it accordingly, and drop it by our house and put it in a mail slot. We'll make sure it gets to the church and uh, put in the safe. And we have a counting team that comes in on Mondays, and uh, then those funds are deposited immediately. And we have a, a new way for you that is finally up and running. And Robin, who is here with me today, she's going to demonstrate that for you. Good morning. This is awesome. It's our online platform. I have my phone here. You can do it on your laptop, your iPad, your phone. If you just go to willardnaz.org and you get the website here in front of me, and then I just go into the menu bar, or if you're on your computer or laptop, you're going to have the tabs across, and you're going to find online giving. And when you go to online giving, there is a form right there that you will just, it will link to our secure site. You fill out all of the information, and then when you get to the bottom, it asks you some questions um, about how you're going to make that payment, and then you go ahead and you submit that. It will send you an instant receipt, and um, that will be then automatically deposited into our account at the church, not our account, but the church account. <laughs> and um, it is a secure site. I have tried it, and it is very easy. And I'm not much over 30, but I'm over 30, and I'm still able to use it quite easily. This is just a really wonderful way to be able to make things simple. You can set it up for recur recurring payments, or you can just do a one-time gift. But isn't it great to worship the Lord with giving? I am so blessed to be able to give back to the kingdom. And we just wanted to offer you one more way in which that you can do that to make it easier for you or who are out there watching us and have been watching us for the past several weeks. And even on a daily basis, when you see our, our daily encouragement times, we're so honored by that. Listen, I want to take a, a moment just to, uh, to pray with you and, uh, and, and to encourage you to pray with your families during this time. I, I also want to pray for our, our other pastors, not only across this district, but um, across the country and across the world that are sharing the resurrection message uh, today. So let's take an opportunity to, to pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we have to share the truth of the gospel, to share the hope of the resurrection. What a beautiful celebration that it is that you are alive. And uh, Father, we pray for all of our, our friends who are in ministry, the pastors that are, are sharing that same message today in the local churches. Would you just speak over them and, and uh, instill in them the, your strength and, and your confidence and that they would share the truth of your love and your forgiveness and your grace and, um, and, be with, uh, and just be with them throughout this morning. And so the message would be received, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you. 
This morning, you'll see that we have a, um, we have a more, more intimate setting here for you because a little bit later we're going to be participating in communion together. And so um, I wanted to uh, take a moment to just uh, uh, share that with you and remind you. I've been reminding you all week, so hopefully you, that you were, had an opportunity to go out and, and, uh, and get your juice and your bread and you're ready to, uh, to do that. And so Robin is joining me and because we're, we're going to be having communion with you. So, uh, and Robin is going to help me uh, a little bit to uh, introduce the message. So today we're going to be talking to you about the journey through the weekend. You know, I shared something earlier this week that said um, that uh, something to the effect that a lot can happen in three days. Well, let me tell you, uh, folks, a lot did happen in three days, didn't it? So uh, we're going to uh, share with you a journey through the weekend. And uh, so hopefully you will see uh, how Christ uh, entered Jerusalem and uh, what was taking place then. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the crucifixion. And then we will end up with the, the hope and the celebration of a risen Savior. So Robin... Good morning. <clears throat> the Bible reports in Luke and in Matthew the story of Jesus and his disciples and their need and their desire to commune together. It's an interesting thing. I did a post earlier this week about Monday, Thursday. And really, you know, Jesus came to the city on Palm Sunday and people recognized him as the Lord. They threw down the palms and they worshiped him. Things were a bit quiet, but Monday, Thursday came. And Jesus told his disciples to go into the city and they would find a man carrying water. In the Bible's time, men didn't usually carry the water, the women did. But for this particular time, Jesus told them there would be a man carrying water. And when they saw this man, they were to ask him where the guest room was that he would have prepared for them so that they could eat. I find that really interesting. Here's a man doing something that isn't typically his job. Chances are he has a wife at home and she's doing other things and he goes out to get water and when he returns, he's brought 12 disciples and Jesus with him to use the guest room. Now, as a woman, if Brad came home with 12 friends and said, I need the guest room, I would probably be a little panicked because I think, I think you have. I think about, you know, I want to have things done. And if I've sent him for something that I typically do, like this woman probably did with this man in the water, why, I would probably be even a little more flustered but here he comes with 13 people to, to join us in our guest room. The lady isn't talked about in the Bible. And so 
I think about those things. Those are the cracks that I look into. And I say, hmm, I think about the man and his obedience to just be what Jesus wanted him to be. His obedience to not have to be told he was just available. There was Jesus, his disciples, and they, he, I'm sure he knew who they were. And yes, you can just use the guest room. I oftentimes don't do that with Jesus. I oftentimes argue with him. There I am with my, my way of thinking or the things I want to do or the talents I have and the way things should go. And the opportunity comes by that Jesus offers me and then I decide to negotiate. But the disciples didn't negotiate and the man didn't negotiate. He just simply said, come on. In fact, the story in Matthew, the man doesn't really say much at all. In Luke, he does. And they, and they follow him to their, his home. They follow to him to his home so that they can enter a room where they can commune with Jesus. I love that part. How often I have a room in my heart that I need Jesus to occupy. That I need to spend time communing with him. Jesus entered that room and they sat down together. They sat down together just like common friends because they were. Even though he was their teacher, he was their rabbi. He was their savior. He was their friend. And he's ours. And we can commune with him. We can sit down and have formal conversation or casual conversation Desperate conversation, painful conversations, difficult conversations, but we can commune with the Savior. While they were there, Jesus did some things that showed real humility with the disciples. It showed a servant's heart. He was a servant leader. And I'm very moved by the scene on that Monday, Thursday, because of the relationship between those disciples. They made promises they couldn't keep. He recognized them. He called them out for what they were. He disclosed his, his betrayer. Jesus was open and honest with them, and yet he served them, he loved them, and he communed with them. And then... He asked us to do that with him in remembrance of him. That's a privilege. I have asked Jesus to forgive my sins. And if you have, we can have communion together with the Father and with the Son. So that was our, our hope for you this morning and, and for us on this Easter Sunday that we would have an opportunity to do just that, to commune with Jesus. And so we trust that you've created a space in, in your home, just like Robin and I have been able to do here, and uh, an intimate setting. And, and so we're going to give you a minute to, to make that happen and to get ready for this, because um, as they found themselves in this, in this upper room, it was all furnished and it was... Uh, Preparations were made, and they were there, and Luke's account is uh, 
they left and they found things Jesus, uh, as Jesus had told them. And when the hour came, Jesus and the apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. Uh, For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He then took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given to you. So do this in remembrance of me. Jesus reminded them that the bread that was broken off that, that day was, uh, was in remembrance of, uh, of him and his body that was going to be broken and that the juice was representing his blood that was going to be shed for them. And then uh, the same way after supper, he took the cup and saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So just a reminder uh, today, let me pray for you. Father, again, we thank you for this time, this intimate time with you, our Lord and Savior, that we're able to incorporate this and participate in this communion with you. To be able to take a few minutes and, and, uh, and break the bread and take the juice and And remember the significance of that final supper that you shared with the disciples. And the importance of that event and what you were telling them of what was going to happen in the days to follow. We are blessed, Father, we are blessed by this opportunity. And we we pray for each person out there that's watching today as together with their families. We pray a special blessing upon their lives and thank you for the opportunity that we've had to do this together in your name. Amen. Amen. We move... From that Monday, Thursday in that upper room, of course, we, we move into the, the betrayal and the denial and the things that took place in those days to follow um, leading up to the, uh, the crucifixion. And I think of Jesus knew that uh, at that 
sitting around that table, he knew that he was going to be betrayed. And as Robin shared with you, he, he called them out on that. He talked about that. And they were in disbelief, his disciples, his friends. They didn't want to believe that that's what was going to happen. But, but Jesus knew, and, and he knew that he would eventually be taken. And, and um, the trial that followed and, and that led up to the crucifixion. I want to talk to you a little bit about, I know this is a, a somber, reflective kind of um, message at this point. But I think it's important if we're going to journey through the the three days that we have to talk about the crucifixion we have to talk about what that entailed and what that even means because there may be some of you out there that are hearing this for the first time and and you weren't even certain about uh, jesus's entry in jerusalem and and what took place and and how he sent someone to prepare the room and they were in the upper room maybe you're hearing that story for the first time and maybe you're hearing uh, about uh, what the crucifixion was and what that meant. And so after the betrayal happened and, the, and Jesus was captured and sentenced to be flogged by the Roman governor, he was sentenced by the Roman, Roman governor to be flogged um, by an executioner who was also Ro- Roman. There was um, flogging is, was basically a... Uh, was being beaten with a whip. Uh, there was no set number of lashes that were or predetermined to be given uh, when you were going through this process or you're going through a crucifixion. The prisoner was, was basically flogged until the executioner, the one who was doing the beating, uh, could no longer raise his arms to, um, to swing the whip any longer. And so it was not uncommon even for people to die even in this process, uh, in this type of punishment. Uh, Victims were often stripped of their clothing and and they were bent over a a stump with their hands and feet uh, shackled. The whip uh, is said to be about 18 inches long. Uh, and it had leather thongs, what was called leather thongs at the end of it. And inside the thongs were pieces of sharp metal or glass. So if you can imagine, we're talking about Jesus. And I'm trying to paint a visual picture for you of what was taking place here. Um, pieces of sharp metal or glass at the end of this whip. And the purpose of that was to inflict as much pain as, as possible. And at the same time, create massive wounds that would in turn open up and, and bleed. Most of us have seen movies and, and we've seen more violent scenes on movies that, that, that we've seen. But in, in regards to this specifically, uh, most Hollywood productions and movies don't give an accurate description of this. Uh, the closest and, and probably one that we've all seen and, and most of us probably watch every Easter weekend now is Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. Uh, however, even that doesn't compare to the real thing that took place and the, and the 
absolute beating that Jesus took. The soldiers that were involved in in this put a scarlet robe on Jesus. And this robe that they placed over him would would have begun to absorb the blood from his wounds as they continued to, to, to hit him and to beat him. Uh, the, the robe then would have stuck to his body because of the blood. They then put a crown of thorns on his head and they began to hit him in the head with a stick, forcing the thorns deeper into his skull with blood running down his face. They ripped off the the scarlet robe, which would have have begun to dry on his bloody back. So as they ripped it off, it would have reopened the wounds. So if you can imagine that, and, and as I'm painting this picture for you, a crucifixion was meant to be public, so then Jesus was paraded through the streets of Jerusalem. He would have been severely weakened and dehydrated by this point. And, and, and it's here when they found a man of, of Cyrene named Simon to help carry the cross because of Jesus' weakness at that moment. And, and just as Simon helped carry Jesus' cross, we are asked to carry a cross as well. In Luke 9, 23, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn away from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. See, death by crucifixion was meant to be a slow, humiliating and agonizing way to die. It was meant to serve as a warning Uh, A warning to others that this is what happens when you challenge Roman law. Finally, Jesus would have been laid down on a crossbeam. And the executioner would begin to hammer nails in both of his wrists. The crossbeam would be lifted up and placed into a hole with his right foot would have pushed over onto his left foot and a single nail driven then through both feet. Purpose of that, it allowed the victim to push themselves up so that death could be prolonged. Eventually, the body would be overcome by exhaustion. The victim would die from suffocation. Jesus hung on the cross for six hours until his death. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to be reminded of. When Jesus was on the cross, we were on his mind. You still may be asking, but why would God do this for me? Well, Here's the best explanation that there is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
That's John 3.16. It goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That's verses 17 and 18. I know that's a bleak picture that I've painted for Easter Sunday morning. But the story's not over, friends. A lot can happen in three days. And there's one thing that we can trust in, and that is that God specializes in hopeless situations. And it probably doesn't appear that it could be much more hopeless than that, right? And so now, kids, I want to talk to you. I think your parents need to listen this, this week with our Kids Zone moment. But we're going to stick Kids Zone moment right in here. Because I want to tell you about some things we've been talking about and how they relate to the Easter story. See, we've been looking for buttons, right? And then we looked for Pastor Brad and Nate, and we found them. Who, uh, Pastor Brad became a traitor and gave up poor Nate last week. But you know what? We recognized in all of our lessons so far that we need to take on the same attitude as Christ. And you know what's really neat? Is there are two ladies in the Bible who were kind of on a hide-and-seek mission. And they took on the attitude of Christ. See, Jesus had been their friend. One was Mary Magdalene, and one was Mary, Martha's sister. And they were very good friends with Jesus. He had done wonderful things for them. He had transformed their heart, and he had shown them what it meant to serve others. And so... After Jesus was taken to the tomb, the, the Bible says that the guards were afraid that somebody was going to steal the body and then and make a lie up. And so the um, pilot said, take guards with you and make the tomb as secure as possible. In other words, make sure nobody can break in. Nobody will be able to find Jesus. Nobody can steal his body. So the guards did it. They stood guard and they had all kinds of good, safe stuff. So that tomb wasn't going to be, the stone wasn't going to be rolled away. They weren't going to steal Jesus' body. But you know what? They didn't know who Jesus was. Mary and Mary took perfume with them. Now, I'm sure some of you boys are going, oh, yuck, that's stinky. Well, there's cologne. Pastor Brad wears cologne more than I wear perfume. And there's, but I have brought some perfume with me. And you know what? We put perfume on when we stink, don't we? We put on deodorant when we, to help us to keep from stinking. We have all kinds of stuff like that. But in the Bible days, they didn't always have that. And you know what? They use spices and perfumes to help with bad odors. When somebody dies, they're going to have bad odors, aren't they? So Mary and Mary decided they would have the same attitude as Christ, and they would serve Christ 
by bringing the sweet smelling spices to the tomb and they would put them um, on Jesus's um, tomb clothes that they what they wrap the body in and it would help Jesus as he it's kind of like was embalmed and that kind of thing but when they got there when they got there they were looking for the tomb and when they found the tomb there was no Jesus they couldn't find him they had brought their perfume to put on him, but he wasn't there. And then, then an angel came, two angels. And it says in the Bible that they told him, that the ladies, that Jesus was there. And then they found Jesus. And he said to them, the son of man, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. See, Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's such a weird thing for us to understand. I mean, I'm a little over 30, and I don't know how that happened. But I know that's what Jesus said, and so I know it happened. And you know why I know it happened? I know because... When Jesus was raised from the dead, it was so that I could ask Jesus to live in my heart. And so when I ask him to forgive my sins and to live in my heart, now I can talk to him. And now I have fellowship with him. That's a bunch of fellas in the same ship. And you know what? It is really cool to know Jesus. See, remember when we first started a few weeks ago, we said when we seek Jesus, we will find him. And if you pray to Jesus and ask him into your heart, you will find him. Because he was risen on this Easter Sunday. This story, I'm going to stand up for the end because uh, this story gets better. Listen, uh, well, first I want to tell you that I know that, that Robin has referenced a couple times that she's barely over 30. She's not that far behind me, let me tell you, okay? All right, so just so we have uh, some clarification there. But listen, on that, East, that Sunday morning, the stone uh, was not rolled away just so Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so we could get in. What do you think of that? The stone was rolled away so that we could get in because God wants us to see the miracle of the empty tomb. He wants us to realize that the power he has over some of the most frightening things that we could ever face. Some of us are, are facing those things right now uh, through this uh, health crisis that we're in. Some of us are facing, uh, as I've said before, the loss of our jobs and income. And some of us are, are facing illnesses and, and, and that we are, we are sick ourselves. Some of us are, are facing uncertainty of even having a job or knowing how we're going to, to, to pay our bills or our, our mortgage and our car payments and all of those things. But God wants us to realize the power he has over all of that. And 
He fills us with his hope when we're involved with him. You see, that Sunday morning, there should have been a great number of people making their way to the tomb that day. Because when they were in need, they sought out Jesus. When they needed something, they looked for him. And as Robin said, they, they were seekers. And so they, were, they sought him out. But where were they now? We can, we can understand that. Because for some Christians, the only time that we make it to the tomb is when we're in a crisis. Hmm. When we're in a crisis, sometimes the only time we pray or have devotions or open up our Bibles is when we're in a crisis. That's not the way that God wants us to live in our faith. Uh, This can cause a lifetime of missed opportunities of hope that God has for us. Simply because we only turn to him in in a crisis situation. Um, The two Marys... We're the last ones to leave the cross. Robin talked about the two Marys. They were the last ones to leave the cross. And they were the first ones to get to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. You see, they had been through so much during the past week. They'd witnessed the crowd uh, go from worshiping and proclaiming Jesus as Messiah to the shouting of crucify him, crucify him. They went from sitting at his feet and listening to him teach to standing at the foot of the cross, desperately weeping over his death. Were they expecting to find an empty tomb? Were they anticipating resurrection? Absolutely not. See, they were expecting to go to the tomb and to embalm the body of Jesus. But it all changed when they arrived and the stone had been rolled away. He's alive! See, I told you the story was going to get better. See, that changed everything for them. That changed everything for everyone. It changed everything for the disciples. And and it changed everything for us, for you and I. Listen to the message of the angel He said, do not be afraid. Come and see. Go and tell. Wow. Those are powerful words, aren't they? Do not be afraid. Come and see. Go and tell. You see, this is the message and the hope of Easter that he's alive. He's alive. And the tomb is empty. Praise God, he's alive. When our lives are turned upside down and everything seems hopeless, remember, God specializes in those situations. He specializes in hopeless situations. And you know, he specialized in the hopeless situation of the crucifixion. Once we've received the power and the hope of the resurrection, then we can share that hope And that encouragement with others. See, we are challenged to take the good news and the hope of the resurrection and to go tell the world. I can see the two women slowly making their way to the tomb. Can't you? Can you imagine this? When they're thinking that that Jesus is dead after the crucifixion, they're going going to the tomb. 
And I could see them walking. I could see them with their heads down and just kind of exasperated from the stress and the trauma and the heartache and the, the discouragement, the hopelessness of the whole situation. But look how it changes. Look how hope carried them beyond their present circumstance that they found themselves in. And hope can do that for you, can do that for us. Because now, all of a sudden, and if you read the story in, in, in Matthew chapter 8 and, and through 10, you'll see hope can carry you through your present circumstances. Now, because all of a sudden, they're filled with joy. They're running and they're worshiping. They were the first to see Jesus after the resurrection. How exciting was that? How exciting would that be? Hmm. Going from sorrow and depression knowing that they were about to embalm Jesus to running for joy after realizing the tomb was empty he has risen the tomb is empty he has risen the two Marys receiving hope of an empty tomb the hope of Easter that's life changing that is life-changing, my friends. You see, it's this hope. It's this same hope. It requires us to stay in the presence of God. After Peter's third denial, Jesus had eye contact with him. And, and, and he looked at Peter, and they looked at each other. And the scripture says Peter then went out and wept bitterly. You see, he went out and wept because he was overcome with conviction of what he had done. But even that, there was hope in that. There was hope in the presence of God. Because see, Peter experienced forgiveness. He experienced forgiveness like he never knew. And then he was used by God to help establish the New Testament church. Jesus restored Peter. I love that word, restored. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you in just a minute about how you can be restored, how we can be restored. But Peter was restored. So he got to experience the miracle of the resurrection. You know why? He stayed in the presence of God. He stayed in the presence of God. That's why it's so important. I cannot stress to you enough the importance to stay in the presence of God. To stay connected to your church. To stay connected with other believers. Be involved with other believers. Make the walk to the tomb with Mary and Mary. See, too many people miss out on the hope of Easter and what God has for them simply because they're so distracted. And it's easy to get distracted by the world in which we live in, right? We get so distracted by the world that, that we never experience or see the empty tomb. He has risen. He has risen. A lot can happen in three days, friends. And a lot did happen. A lot did happen. And he was victorious. He was victorious over death. He conquered death. 
and he's alive and he's risen. And that's why we celebrate today. And that's why we celebrate Easter because hope is alive, friends. Hope is alive. And hope comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know that some of you are out there and I'm going to ask you at this moment, some of you may think that your life is, is hopeless. Some of you may be involved in, 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 in uh, some type of addiction. Some of you may be having marital problems. Some of you have, may have relational issues. Some of you have financial issues. And, and you just find yourself in a hopeless situation right now. But let me tell you, he can restore you. I love that word. I love what he did with Peter. He restored him. And Peter stayed in the presence of God. He can restore you into the presence of God. And you say, well, how, how do I go about that? You don't know what my life is like, Pastor Brad. Let me tell you something. There is not a better day. There is not a better day than the day we celebrate a risen Savior to make the proclamation. He is going to restore me on this day. It's an easy day to remember, right? It's Easter Sunday. So how do you do it? Well, it's simple. You just first ask him into your life. You ask him in to, to come into your life. And you just ask for forgiveness. And you just, you, you just ask that he come and live in your heart. That he change uh, your direction. And he, that he, and he changes what you think and what you feel. And how you respond. And he brings you into the presence and he takes away the hopelessness and he brings a, and, he, and he brings you into the presence of God. You ask him that and he will do that for you. You believe in the story. You believe that he lived, he died and he lived again. And it's as simple as that. You believe that. And then you commit your life to him. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're out there and you're in your living rooms, you're in your family rooms with your, with your children and your families, if there's any of you. Would you, would you say this prayer with me right now? Would you just bow your heads and say this prayer? And then send a message and let us know that this is the day your life has been restored. Send us a message so we know how to pray for you. Father, we pray for those that are out there right now that may be experiencing this very thing. Father, we pray and we ask you into our lives. We ask you for your forgiveness to come and live in our hearts, to change us and bring us into the presence of God and then to restore our lives. And Father, we believe, we believe that you lived and you died and that you lived again and that you rose. And that's the greatest part of the story, that we serve a risen Savior. And then, Father, we commit our lives to you. We commit to believing in you and we commit to living and we commit to living in your presence and we commit to changing uh, our, our life and the direction that we're going. And it's just that simple prayer, Father. It's just as simple as A, B, and C. And so if those people have asked you that, to, to do that for them, we pray that they would sense your presence right now in, their, in the room that they're in. And we ask you to bless them, to guide and direct them, and put them in, in close proximity with someone who can, who can share the truth of your word. And we'll give you praise and glory and honor. We love you. And you, we know how much you love us. So much that you gave your one and only son so that we would not perish but have everlasting life. In your precious name, amen. Let me remind you, God loves you on this Easter Sunday. 
God loves you. And folks, he won. That's the end of the story. He rose. He rose again and he lives. He lives. He lives in us. We hope that you're able to join us next week. Look for us every day. All right.
the day He comes in glory.